Of the Feminist Mormon Housewives Podcast. I'm your host, Housewives. Lindsay, and we are starting again with our series of the year of polygamy. And we're going to be focusing on another wife of Joseph Smith, another plural wife of Joseph Smith. But before we get into it, I just wanted to make a few corrections from the last podcast. So I asked people to challenge me on the law of adoption. I made the claim that uh, it didn't make sense to me why people would argue for sexless plural marriage unions if the law of adoption was intact, which meant that men could be sealed to other men. And the idea was to sort of uh, connect all Latter-day Saints to be sealed for eternity. So if you were a prominent man, you could seal yourself to a less prominent man, and that meant his family would be sealed to your family in their hereafter. So I was saying it didn't make sense to me that if you would be sealed to... Um, if Joseph Smith could have been sealed to Heber C. Kimball, then why would he marry his daughter? Um, if he, if it was not, if it was only about connections and not about, uh, offspring. And, uh, I have been corrected as, as I put out that challenge. And there is going to be a substantial debate, I guess, at Sunstone between Cheryl Bruno and Brian Hales on the law of adoption. So that is going to be an amazing thing. So I hope you can all come to that. I'm really, really excited about that. But it turns out the law of adoption actually didn't start um, coming into practice until 1846 to 1848. And we know that Joseph Smith would have been dead by then. So this is a Brigham Young era doctrine and not Joseph Smith doctrine. So I just wanted to clear that up. So the law of adoption doesn't come until after Joseph has died. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to clarify is I have lumped uh, Brian Hale's work into more apologetic sources, which is probably an unfair characterization. I know a lot of people out there, including some scholars, consider his work to be apologetic, but I have, I guess I have wrongly lumped him in to say that Brian Hale's has said that only Joseph Smith may have only had sexual relations with one of the wives and none of the others. And that is that is not the correct characterization. So what Brian Hales argues in his research and in his book is that he doesn't think Joseph had sexual relations with any of his polyandrous relationships, meaning any of the wives that were already married to husbands, except possibly one, and that would be Sylvia Sessions Lyon. So, so yeah, so Brian Hales doesn't say that Joseph didn't have sex at all with his wife's, just not the polyandrous ones. And I hope that makes sense. And I'm sorry if I mischaracterized that. And I hope to correct any other problems if I get something wrong. So with those aside, um, we're going to move into Sarah Kingsley Cleveland. And again, we're just starting with Joseph's wives. If you, if you're just starting the series, go back to episode one, follow it all the way through. I'm so excited to when we can move on from the Nauvoo period and start getting into the Utah period. I've been, um, researching some primary sources and, uh, looking through some journals. And I think that I found some stuff that nobody else is really paying attention to. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about that. But for now, with that teaser, let's talk about Sarah Kingsley Cleveland. Sarah Kingsley Cleveland uh, was born on October 20th in 1788 in Beckett, Massachusetts. 
she was said to be really wealthy, raised really, really wealthy, and she was well-educated and really refined. Todd Compton, in his book, In Sacred Loneliness, calls her, quote, the most polished writer among Joseph Smith's wives. And that's saying a lot because Joseph Smith was married to Eliza R. Snow and some other great writers. So she comes from this very educated sort of privileged background. And she meets a sea merchant and captain of his own ship, John Howe, and married him in 1807. Her only child from the marriage, Edward, died a very painful death. Although history forgets how he passed on, all we know is that it was a painful death. Uh, John Howe was on a voyage during the War of 1812, and his ship was captured by the English. After some time, he was released, but his health was affected, and he lived in poor health until he died in 1825. So she would be widowed in 1825. So she would marry John Cleveland on June 10th, 1826, a little bit after her first husband died. John Cleveland apparently managed the Howe estate before the marriage, and so that's how he knew them. Sarah and John had two children, Augusta and Alexander. In the mid-1830s, Sarah and Augusta joined the Mormon church after hearing about the church and having visions about joining. So again, for those who are not familiar with uh, America at the time, the, they call it like the most fertile soil to grow a religion. And everyone had this fever of religion. Everyone was excited about different religions. Everybody was really um, having these Pentecostal experiences and enjoying all those things. And so Sarah Kingsley would be no exception. Um, her and her daughter you know, start having visions, and they decide to join the church. Although they were friendly to Joseph Smith and the other elders of the church, John and Alexander did not join, but became Swedenborgians, or followers of Emmanuel Swedenborg. So again, I mean, if you look back at any of the religions at the time, Mormonism was just one of many, many religions starting up. There were all of these Breakoffs from other uh, Reformation groups, and there were other actual restoration movements, and there were also um, lots of the old sects that had already been there. And the Swedenborg religion is interesting. It shares doctrines with Mormonism, like the preexistence and spiritual wifery. So in 1836, the family moved to Quincy, Illinois, which, unknown to them at the time, would soon become the center of Mormonism. In early 1839, church members were relocating from Missouri to Nauvoo. At that time, Joseph Smith was a prisoner in Liberty Jail, you might remember, and his wife Emma and children lived with the Clevelands in Quincy. On March 21st, Joseph wrote to Emma, quote, I would ask if Mr. Cleveland will be kind enough to let you and the children tarry there until I can learn something further concerning my fate. I will reward him well if he will, end quote. Near the end of April, after Joseph was in prison for five months, he was finally let go, and he reunites with his family in the Cleveland home, and he lives there for another three weeks before moving to Nauvoo. Two weeks later, the Clevelands received a letter from Joseph indicating that he had selected a lot for them in Nauvoo just across the street from his own. In early 1842, the family moved from Quincy to Nauvoo. Emma Smith would name Sarah as her first counselor in the Women's Relief Society organization. And Sarah had some influence in coming up with the name originally called the Nauvoo Female Relief Society. And how that happened was John Taylor and Joseph Smith didn't approve of the entire name, taking issue with the word relief. And Emma Smith argued her case and then, quote, Counselors Cleveland arose to remark concerning the question before the house that we should not regard the idle speech of our enemies. We designed to act in the name of the Lord, 
to relieve the wants of the distressed and to do the good, all the good we can. End quote. And you can read all about this in the, in the Nauvoo Relief Society minutes that are now online. Really cool to look at. Eliza Snow also supported the word and the men f- finally agreed to it, revising it to the quote, the Female Relief Society of Nauvoo. And Sarah, it is noted in the minutes, um, that Sarah had made a contribution of 12 cents that day to the new organization. Um, around the time, the same time that the Relief Society was getting up and running, uh, Sarah would now be 54 years old, and she became one of Joseph Smith's wives sometime in 1842. I was refreshing myself on some of the apologetic research, and I know that poly- for some reason the polyandrous uh, marriages are the most controversial to to a lot of apologists, especially. I guess they're I guess they're um, the most controversial for all of us for good reason. There are some people that 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 argue that he was never that Joseph was never sealed to Sarah Kingsley. Um, this is the apologetic research. They say, quote, there is considerable debate as to whether Sarah Kingsley was sealed to Joseph Smith. Daniel Bachman's pioneering study on plural marriage argued that there was little supporting evidence for her inclusion on the list of Joseph Smith's wives. Todd Compton argues for Sarah's inclusion since she is included on Andrew Jensen, who was a formal church historian, list of plural wives, had a proxy marriage to Joseph Smith in the temple following his martyrdom and because Eliza R. Snow is known to have been sealed to Joseph at Sarah's home. Compton holds, and I find his reasoning persuasive, that the Joseph decision, that Joseph's decision to marry Emma in front of Sarah makes little sense if Sarah had not already been introduced into plural marriage. Though it must be admitted that Sarah could have been aware of plural marriage but not practicing it. Compton's argument is strengthened by the fact that Andrew Jensen also had access to Eliza R. Snow as a witness. So she could have confirmed Sarah's sealing. So, um, I believe strongly that Sarah was a wife of Joseph Smith, as do most scholars that I know of. I, I don't know of any um, right now that do not consider her. But like I said, because the recordings on these are kind of scant and it was very secretive, um, we have to base circumstantial things. What we know and what we do know is that Sarah knew about plural marriage since she was there when Eliza got married and she was in the early society. She lived with Joseph Smith. She fits the pattern of all the people that would get married to him, and she gets sealed to him through proxy later in the temple. So, I mean, there's, I think that there's good evidence to suggest that that is the case. Um, Sarah, Sarah stood as a witness when Joseph and Eliza Snow got married in June of 1842. That spring, rumors surfaced in the Relief Society about Joseph's recent marriage to Agnes Coolbrith which you will remember is Joseph Smith's sister-in-law. Sarah came to his defense, warning, quote, the, the society against evil, speaking evil of President J. Smith, that it would not be a light thing in the sight of God. She expressed her fears that the Lord would cut off those who would not take counsel and said we would we would have none among us who would speak against the prophet of the Lord, end quote. So you remember um, about this time that the, that the Relief Society forms, there's this rumor that he is having that he is having this unnatural relationship with his sister-in-law. Um, his brother had passed away, and he is now sealed to his sister-in-law. And uh, one of the women in the Relief Society and in the group starts saying, "You know what? I heard he's married to so and so," and it fuels all these rumors that are already happening. And so the Relief Society is now starting to gear up and use itself 
to fight polygamy. But remember, Eliza R. Snow and Sarah Kingsley are now in the Relief Society presidency and also married to Joseph Smith. So it gets a little tricky. And Joseph will start using this double speak, like I've said in other podcasts, kind of like how he describes masonry. This is my opinion. He considered the temple a restoration of the Lord's masonry, the proper the proper masonry, not the evil masonry of the world. And I, I think that that is how he talked to his wife's about plural marriage. So he would say, you know, we don't practice polygamy. That is the world's sort of practice. We practice plural marriage or celestial marriage. It's the higher law. But what he was also in effect doing was keeping it from uh, Emma Smith. So when he would condemn polygamy, he would be in public saying, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. We don't practice polygamy. That is a lie. And Emma would be like, yeah, that's a lie. We don't do that. And meanwhile, his wives would know, sitting next to Emma, that they were his plural wife. In August of the same year as Eliza's marriage, Eliza R. Snow and Sarah had a mysterious falling out. Eliza wrote in her journal, quote, Mrs. Cleveland, having come to the determination of moving on to her lot, my former ex- expectations were frustrated, end quote. Eliza, who was living with Sarah at the time, moved out. So we don't know what happened there. But, you know, they had worked in a lot and there was a lot of tension going on. So I imagine it was a difficult situation to live in. After Joseph Smith was killed in 1844, the Mormons migrated west to Utah. On February 8th, 1846, Sarah's son-in-law wrote, quote, This day started for the mountains. Myself, wife, brother-in-law, Sarah, and Alexander, they are feeling to go with the saints and leave husband and father as he, John Cleveland, does not belong to the church. End quote. On the same day Sarah and Alexander left, John was away in the country at work. Four days into the trip, quote, It being extremely cold, the leaders advised Mother Cleveland and son Alexander to return and stay with Father Cleveland until we were located somewhere and could return for them. End quote. Sarah returned to her husband John, but she never did journey to Utah. Her biography would later report that, quote, Brigham Young counseled her to stay with her husband as he was a good man, having shown himself kind ever helping those in need, end quote. Sarah parted with her daughter, Augusta, who happened to be five months pregnant at the time and would later give birth on the trail and the baby would die. The mother and daughter remained close throughout the rest of their lives through letters. Sarah and John moved to a farm in Plymouth, 30 miles southeast of Nauvoo, and although they had sacrificed all their money for the saints and the Exodus West, Sarah joined a local Protestant church later in her life and passed away in Plymouth on April 21st, 1856. You can read um, some of her beautiful letters in the book, In Sacred Loneliness, where Todd Compton includes much of her writing. And it's just, she is a wonderfully polished writer, beautiful writer. So I would, I would suggest that you go ahead and do that. And I hope you join us for another episode um, on the Feminist Warner's Housewives podcast. And I hope that I cleared up any of the questions. And Brian Hales is actually also offered to come on the podcast. So I think that that'll be good and we can explain his position a little bit more on uh, what why he thinks that Joseph didn't have sexual relations with a lot of these married women. So anyway, uh, go ahead and leave your comments in the comment section at Feminist Born Housewives Podcast and we will talk to you soon.